Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. This is episode 975, my interview with Pete Rupert, and we're discussing his book, Limitless. I hope you enjoy. G'day, Pete. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you, Lee. Pleasure being here. Thanks for having me on. You're right. Good evening there, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Whereabouts are you? I'm in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan in the U.S. Okay. All right. Um, Well, you've got a book called Limitless. Um, fantastic um, idea. I love the the idea of this book. Certainly, um, the idea of not accepting a life that is that of the status quo and going beyond that. And I think that's that's where the uh, intrigue comes for me. But before we get into the book, Pete, just tell us a little bit about your background because you've got a fairly interesting sort of background in education. Yeah. Well, thanks, Lee. And. Um I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was one of six kids, kind of a normal big Catholic family, if you will. And um, I really, the education of my parents both stood for the importance of education. In fact, my dad was frustrated by the local public schools that my older sister and brother had gone to when I was in middle school. And he convinced me to go across town to an all-boys private Catholic school when I was uh, entering high school. And uh, that ended up being one of the best decisions I've ever made. And it just kind of drove home the importance of the um, education to me. And I didn't think I'd end up in education. In fact, I was a bit, I was interested in business, and I started out in, in consumer products and sales and marketing in the U.S., and then uh-huh. I got into consulting. And uh, But I had the chance to get in the education industry in my um, early 30s uh, when I was recruited to be president of a startup charter school company. And I thought, what a great chance to get involved as a business person with education. And uh, it's been 23 years now and and uh, just such an extremely exciting environment to be in. So what's your role there? You open up new schools. Yeah, I'm, I'm the CEO. I'm the founder and CEO of Fusion Education Group, and we own and operate uh, a chain of about uh, almost 80 uh, private schools around the country, and yeah. every one of our schools is taught one-to-one, one teacher, one student in every classroom, so kind of the ultimate in customization. And then recently, we launched our first virtual school called Fusion Global Academy, and so we're able now to serve students across the world with our unique one-to-one programming, like I mentioned. How do you, how do you monetize that one-to-one teaching? It sounds remarkable. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not it's not inexpensive. I can promise you that because of the uh, the, the labor content, if you will, of a one to one classroom, and and uh, but it's more like I think of a, a college um, environment where students might have class a couple times a week with their teacher for the hour, and then the rest of the time they they're in their um, in what we call a homework cafe or where they're doing their homework and their independent study. So in a one-to-one mm. classroom, you can obviously move through through the material so much more quickly. So it doesn't require us to have a student in each class five days a week for an hour every single day of the week. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Um, what are the limitations to one-on-one education? Well, yeah, I don't know how many – I guess the limitations are um, – and the positives are you can imagine the customization that we can provide for a kid to help them go as fast or as slow as they're able. We can teach them the way they best learn. We can um, really provide a lot of mentoring and coaching along with the teaching that we do. And we really focus on the entire child's success. So it's more than just academics. It's academic success, but also social and emotional success. And 
in today's day and age, that's really important. And so we've been able to really help kids who have come to us oftentimes struggling, completely get back on track and change their trajectory. Hmm. Um, but it's a micro school environment. And so our school, a big school for us might be 80 to 100 kids in a in a sixth through 12th grade school uh, environment. Um, and so for schools who, for families who want a bigger school uh, and larger classrooms, then obviously we're not that fit. And then we also don't have the athletic teams and the school plays and yeah, things yeah. of that nature. We have a variety of different clubs and extracurriculars that kids can get involved in, but it's on a much smaller scale than what you would find in a traditional high school for sure. Is there limitations around that social dynamic when, you know, you take away the the, the size, the volume? Well, you know, we in in a way there there uh, we try and make up for that because when the students aren't in the classroom, uh, and like I said, the classrooms are almost exclusively one student, one teacher. Hmm. Um, but when they earn their homework cafe, they can be in in, in either a uh, what we call a quiet space of the homework cafe or a social space. And so if you're if you're up to speed and you're doing well school. You can do your homework quietly and talk to a few of your friends who are sitting maybe at the same conference table as you might be in our homework cafe. And and then at lunchtime, we all have the same lunch hours, and that's when we have our lunch lunch space with everybody and our extracurricular and clubs that the students put together and run. And so we provide socialization for them, but it's not the same as, as a traditional school. Um, and and so hmm. you know you it, it, the best of it is is that complete one to one in that classroom which is you and the teacher and and it's uh, it's such an enriched uh, experience for the student but uh, you don't have socialization time with your student but we would argue that that's probably a good thing let them let them socialize with their friends when they're not in their core classroom activities yeah well mate it it sounds like a model that certainly um, will be more popular moving forward too I, I feel because i think the education system lacks in a lot of areas and um certainly when you come to children being left behind or put ahead or not getting stimulated enough due to class sizes that's a, that's obviously a big problem yeah there's no doubt and and uh you know there's the the challenge of our education system in general is it's it's uh not changed to the space of other different industries and and i really felt like when i started this business Kind of from seeing education in the charter school environment I was with here in the U.S. for seven or eight years before I launched this company. And you could just see that there was just not much individualization, not much customization going around, mm. not because there weren't good teachers, but they're just when you have 30 kids in a class and you're seeing six or seven classes a day, it's hard to really build relationships and customize and, and uh, individualize the instruction. Yeah, yeah. Mate, um, you've probably learned a lot um, in that period of time doing this, um, and I guess that's the reason why you wrote this book, is it? It is, and uh, it's not exclusively about this, but this is certainly a part of it, and um, you know, I think so much of uh, what younger folks are facing today, or even uh, older adults as well, is that uh, as we get older, we kind of give up on some of the things we always wanted to do, and, and uh, this is this book is targeted toward helping people realize that they have so many great talents and strengths. And the important thing is how do we leverage those and, and create that one extraordinary life that I talk about in the title that's actually limitless. Yeah. What, um, I mean, is this a personal story as well about how you've created that life for yourself? Followed yeah, your, you know, your desires? Yeah, to a certain extent. And it, and it was, uh, 
in my 20s and 30s, I, I had gone, uh, graduated from college and worked for a good company, got, got, got my business, my MBA from a top business school and kind of felt like I had all the answers and mm. uh, I didn't. And so I had started a couple of ventures that uh, business ventures that had failed. Um, I was struggling to try and find my place and, and had a lot of self-doubt and that's when I really started studying successful people and trying to understand what it was that made them, uh, what, what led to their success and not just from business, but successful people from all walks of life. And as I studied that and, uh, I really saw these common themes and I first created just a list of these nine things that I put on a piece of paper and typed up and used it as an inspiration and a guide for me, if you will, in my day-to-day activities as I tried to continue to grow and develop as a person, as a business person, et cetera. And um, then when my oldest son, I have four kids, my oldest son about 10 years ago entered middle school, I retyped it up. I called it the traits of a champion and um, pasted it on their bathroom mirror. And I thought that uh, at least when they brush their teeth every day or wash their face, they would take a look at that. And while they didn't want to listen to their dad talk about this, they might read it and, and, and absorb it that way. Hmm. And then Finally, at a, at a conference that we had at my company, uh, we had a leadership conference every year. And three or four years ago, I shared that list with um, at a little fireside chat that they did with me. And several people came up to me and said, oh, this is such a great list. You need to turn this into a book. And so um, it's a story not just of myself, but I use examples of my own story, both on the on the positive and on the downside as well as um, some great examples of uh, famous people and, and what they went through. Because I think we all kind of see successful people, and we look at them, we say, oh, gosh, well, they probably had it all from the get-go, that there was a straight line of success. They didn't have any bumps and bruises. They had all the luck and the talent, and everything went their way. And, and uh, what I realized as I studied others that uh, who, were, who had been extraordinarily successful, so many of them that had real tough challenges and failures and obstacles in their way that they had to overcome. And so it's just a reminder to everyone out there that um, it's not what you see. And uh, oftentimes the challenges that people have overcome are just extraordinary. Yeah. I love it. Love the story, mate. Um, are you happy to share some of these nine things? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the book, as you mentioned, is called Limitless, uh, Nine Steps to Launch Your One Extraordinary Life. And um, I'll, I'll certainly share um, highlights of, uh, of a few of the core mm. chapters, and each step is a chapter. But the first step is um, to win the battle in your head. And, and um, that's it. all about, uh, Lee, as you know, I, we all have these positive and negative voices that talk to us inside our head 24-7. And uh, something I didn't even realize until I was older, that uh, we all have these negative and positive voices. And, and what I've learned is that if we can tame those and, and turn those um, and ensure that our positive voice wins more often than our negative, we're going to be well on our way to success. And so mm. many people are held back by that voice in their head that says, you're not good enough or don't take a chance or don't take a risk uh, and just settle in and, and just be normal and, and uh that is not the way to live and, and not the way to go chase your dream. So that first chapter is just about winning that mindset, having that positive mindset and, and ultimately believing in yourself by ensuring that uh, you win that battle. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's a great first step, isn't it, really? Because that's where it all begins, the mind. Exactly. That's exactly where it begins. And if you don't, if you, if you can't, if you don't understand that you have that battle, 
it doesn't matter anything else that I talk about later. It's, it's about understanding, okay, I have a battle in my head. Uh, there's some positive voice and there's some negative voice. And, and uh, my job to believe in myself is to train myself to be able to uh, ensure that the positivity is going to win out, like I said, a win lot out, yeah. more than the negative. Yeah. I mean, it's a lifetime of conditioning, the mindset. And certainly if you've you know had that sort of upbringing where that negative voice is more prevalent, it's harder to then change, but not impossible. Um, but it requires work. And I think you know, mindset and the battle with the mind is an ongoing thing until death. I think we always have to work on it. But um, do you have practices that you would recommend or, or things that you do to help you with that daily? I do. Yeah. There's uh, in, in the, in the book, I talk about five or six different things that I recommend folks do. And, and, yeah. you know, I'll just hit on a couple of them first, but one is just to understand that you have this battle and to tell yourself that you're going to choose that positivity that no, no matter what hap- has happened to, to you in your life, even on the negative end to this point in time, tomorrow is a new day. And, um, making sure that you understand that and, and making that thing is, is really important. And the other thing I try and tell people to do, and I do this myself, is to write out a list of the personal accomplishments and the positive things and positive traits that they have about themselves. Get that actually written down. There's nothing more powerful than writing things down. Yeah. Um, I then talk about learning the art of reframing. So when we have these negative thoughts pour into our mind that want us to step back and not take a risk or not try, not try and do something, yeah. um, we learn how to know that this is a negative voice. You comprehend that that's what's happening to you, and you build the cap- capability to reframe that around, okay, I now understand why this negative voice is, is doing this, and then, uh, and then I can reframe it and focus on the positive. What do you mean reframe then, it? Or just, just sort of analyze it, I guess? Yeah, exactly. It's it's um, you know bec- becoming aware of it and uh, introducing a counter argument in your head from that positive side can help you reframe it, right? And I think by um, by doing that, and I also talk a lot about uh, realizing that you're not alone. That every single one of us has these positive and negative voices all the time, no matter how successful we are. Whenever we're facing something new, mm. we oftentimes have a voice that's saying, "Hey, don't do this," or "You're not good enough," or what have you. And so, knowing that everybody else has it is a huge win. And the last thing I, I really focus on and is the idea of journaling. And and um, right. for someone who's really battling in their head, I. I encourage people to write down three things at the end of the day in a journal. Just say three things that went well today. And when you do that often enough, that just opens up the opportunity for the positive voice to win more uh, frequently than the negative. I love it. Journaling is a great practice. What does what your journaling activity look like? And when, when do you do it? At what time of the day? And what do you write down? Um, I do it uh, at the end of the day. I do it yeah. usually right before I um, I try and read some before I go to bed at night, and then um, I usually just try and I keep a pen and, and a and a and a little journal by my bed. Um, and uh, I did this, uh, and, and then I, at the end of every night, I'll just write down two, one, two, three things that went really well. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about me, but it could be even a positive experience. And I think when we surround ourselves and we end our day before we shut our eyes. Uh, with the feelings of success or goodness, uh, it's going to help us um, recharge and head into the next day with a more positive outlook. Yeah. Do you do, you do something in particular in the morning to help you start off that way as well? Uh, what I do in the morning is, is um, typically in the, in the morning for me, I'll, I'll do, uh, that's when I do a little bit of prayer time and then I get up and work out. Yeah. Um, 
I, I've, that's a skill that I've burned, that I've learned over the years. And it wasn't until I was in my forties that I conquered that because I was never a morning person. Uh-huh. And so for me, I wanted that extra half hour of sleep or 45 minutes of sleep, not getting up early to work out. But, um, uh, some friends of mine convinced me to try it and I did it once. And it's that taking that first step is, is another chapter in the book. But anyway, just getting started and you eventually build that habit. And so now I'm a, uh, you know, most weeks I'm exercising six days a week, uh, typically in the morning, uh, and it just refreshes me and gets me started. And so I'm, I'm, I'm positive cause I feel good about myself and, and that's a great way to begin the day. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of things there, obviously the, the blood flow and the circulation. Um, I think it also gives, you know, depending on the type of exercise, but mostly all exercise, it gives you time to be with your thoughts and with the mind. Um, and like you said, the accomplishment too, when you start your day off with achieving some of these bigger things that are, are more important to your life, um, you feel better, and that just puts you in that positive um, mindset and motivation, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. And there are times when I can't do it in the morning for one thing or another, and I do it in the evenings, and that's fine too. But just for me, uh, if I can get it up and get going and get those positive thoughts and the endorphins going, it just uh, makes for a great day. Helps out, yeah. Like it, mate. So that's a good first step. What um, can you share? A couple of other steps in your pro? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, another, and I'm gonna bounce around a little bit because I know we don't have a ton of time. But okay. I'll jump to chapter three, and and uh, I call that chapter "Dream Big and Then Make It Bigger." Yeah. Uh, I think so often we're limited by our own beliefs, by our own thoughts, by our own paradigms, and um, and thus our life kind of reflects what we believe we can actually achieve. And and uh, so that dream big, then make it bigger is. I encourage people to think about what their goals are. Where do they want to be in 10, 15, 20, 25 years? And I, mm. I have an exercise in there that encourages people to write out a vision statement, to talk about it in the end state. So if they pick 20 years out or 10 years out, whatever it is, almost like writing a news article about your life 10 years out and what you've accomplished and what your life is like and how your family relationships are and all those things. And you write that out. And it's amazing how the mind works and, and just subconsciously helps you start moving towards those things when you write it down. And then I, you know, I encourage people to put it on a mirror in their, in their own bathroom or in their closet or in their briefcase where they see it every day. Uh, and the more they read it, the more things kind of happen to come true. So, and then I say make it bigger because even when we think about where we want to be in 10 or 15 or 20 years, Oftentimes, we're not thinking big enough about what our capabilities are. And so yeah. I just encourage people to go big and, and uh, make it even bigger than they thought they might. Yeah. I love it. It brings that, uh, what was it, a, not a Steve Jobs, um, Bill Gates quote, I think. We underestimate what we can achieve in a life. Well, we overestimate what we can achieve in a day, but underestimate what we can achieve in a lifetime, something along those lines. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and uh, you know, Lee is a great example. I, I took that learning. Again, I learned this from studying other successful people. And when we started my company back in 2007, shortly after we started, we had created a big we created a vision statement and put it on a big piece of foam core um, and, and put it behind the front desk of our tiny little office with just two or three folks and said our vision is to someday have over 100 schools um, that are uh, changing kids' lives across the across the country, and 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 uh, here we are at 80. So at the time, people would come in and kind of smirk that who do these guys think they is? They're <laughs> they're a startup. They might have one school, and you know we're knocking on the door now. And so it's neat to see how that big dreaming, uh, even as far fetched as it seemed way back when, can indeed come true. And 
again, you just see that time and time again for people who really push themselves to think bigger. So focus on a, a dream, a longer term sort of dream, write it down um, and and be be courageous, I suppose, with what that dream looks like. Um, now, do you write it down and then just you put it everywhere so you can read it sort of daily? Is that the sort of idea? Exactly. I, I still carry, I, I revise my vision statement uh, every year. Sometimes I don't change anything, but I review it every year as part of my goal setting process. And I talk about that, that in my, in the book as well. But, um, and then I'll fine tune it from year to year. I'll just continue to try and make it more descriptive and more specific. And I'll, as I move through year after year, sometimes I'll push the timeline and timelines out uh, and create, you know, expand my vision even more. But and then I try and I carry it with my briefcase every day uh, for years. I had it uh, posted on my closet. So I would also look at it then when I was uh, getting dressed. And, and the more we look at it and the more we read it, uh, like I said, the more the mind just takes hold of it. And uh, another great learning I had over the years that when you write things down, uh, it's amazing how your own mind helps you subconsciously move toward success. Mm, mm. Oh, I love it. Powerful stuff. The the sometimes I guess the balance is, and maybe you can sort of elaborate on this, but having that big dream, but then sometimes not having the, the right goal alignment, you know, the more short-term sort of goals to take you towards that. Can you share how that sort of looks? Because I think some people get, you know, either they miss the dream altogether and they don't have that necessarily uh, on their mind, or they have the the dream, but they don't have the, the daily practices to, to get them there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, the, that happens so often. Um, and the only thing worse than having the big dream and not having the daily practices is not having a big dream and not having daily practices. Right. So at least you got part of it, but I think what happens and what I encourage in the book is how do you break, you know, how to eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. Well, how do you mm. achieve a big vision? Well, you break it into, I talk about in the book about having, setting three to five year goals that are say, okay, what, wh- where do I need to be in three to five years that are the capabilities or skills or experiences I need to build in order to be well on my way to getting where I want to go long-term. Mm. And then, you know, what's that mean annually and, and break that down, even the kind of quarterly goals of things I'm working for working on. And I talk in the book as well about one of the chapters is being willing to take that first step. Uh, Cause so often, um, so often dreams just rattle around in our head and, and eventually, uh, we get tired of thinking of them and we move on to something else that also rattles in our head. So if we don't put it to paper, it's just never going to happen. Um, but you know, I talk about taking that first step and, and sometimes it's a phone call or it's, or it's, um, or it's doing some research on a concept or whatever it is. We're just trying to get that momentum going because all so many dreams are just lost at the starting line where we refuse to take that first step. And so taking that first step, breaking goals into smaller achievable chunks and Mm -hmm. then reading those every day, that's how we change practices, change bad habits or change practices that aren't working. Right. We build those positive habits by doing those things and focusing on small changes every day. Yeah. Yeah. The small one percenters. Exactly. Love it. Mate, um, that's another great step. Can you share one more before we wrap things up? Yeah, I think the one other thing I, I put in here is uh, in Chapter 4, and it's called Find a Champion. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, so much of, of when we're trying to achieve things and achieve our dreams or dreaming big and making them bigger is that it's hard to do it alone. And, uh, again, like I, I said earlier, when I was young and 
I uh, thought I was a hot shot and had all the answers. I just thought I didn't need help. I didn't need mentors. And, um, you know, I think we found that uh, when you study successful people, how many how many uh, people have helped them along the way and mm. were their own mentors and champions. And so that's why finding a champion is so, so important because it's just there's too many bumps and bruises when you're trying to do something special and, and it's too easy to turn around when it's just you. But if you have that coach or champion or mentor who's there with you and understands what you're trying to do and not just provide support, but also provides a sense of accountability, right, where they yeah. say, hey, you told me you wanted to do this, then why aren't we moving toward that? And, and um, whether that's someone who's more senior you, kind of been down that path that you look up to and you reach out and, and ask them for help, or if it's a, a peer group with common sets of, of similar goals and objectives in their lives – all those, the more champions, the better to help um, help pull you along as you experience, especially when you experience challenges along the way. Yeah. the um, I mean, Warren Buffett, I just read a quote from him this morning about surrounding yourself by, you know, the right people um, has a big impact on on how, how what you become, I suppose. Um, so certainly having that, that good circle of uh, influences and mentors around you will help you develop um, how you need to develop towards those dreams. What um, yeah. what have you done to sort of seek out mentors or do you just – like because there's a multiple different ways you can find mentors, can't you? Oh, there sure are. And, you know, I reflect back, you know, um, some of us like me were lucky to have fortunate people who grew up with. My father was a big mentor to me. Um, some of my coaches as a, as young, as a young man were, were, um, were great mentors. And, and I have one that's been around for a long time. I, I did an internship when I was in college. Uh, for a uh, entrepreneur in Dallas, Texas, and I was down there for six or seven months working for him. And one day he asked me about uh, if I'd ever thought about going to business school, and I hadn't really. Uh, none of my family had ever done business school before. And and then he said, "Well, have you ever thought about going to Harvard Business School?" And I said, I kind of laughed and I said, "No, not at all." And then he, in in the rest of the ride that we had that day, he spent time telling me about how he thought I could eventually get in and and. Um, somehow completely changed my mind and my mindset, uh, reflecting on the power of the book lessons. And, and he was a mentor who completely raised my own lid in terms of my own expectations. So I, that night set a goal that I was going to Harvard business school. And I wrote down things I needed to do to do that. And then mm. sure enough, three or four years later, when I applied, I got in and it was a life changing experience. And he's, he's still a mentor today. I don't see him as much. He's well into his eighties, yeah. but, uh, he was the first person I sent my book to when, uh, I finished it up. That's awesome. I love it. So, um, so, so much insight, mate, in this book. Um, and I'm, I know that the readers, uh, the listeners are going to love it. So guys, I'll stick the, um, the book link in the show notes, uh, for this episode with Pete Rupert. Um, Pete, a couple of quick questions for you. If this was your last meal to be served for dinner tonight, what would you uh, choose? Oh, gosh. Um, <clears throat> you know, Lee, I, I would probably, uh, if it was my last meal, I'm, uh, I'm going to have, uh, I'd be with a really great steakhouse and have a great ribeye, which I stay away from. <laughs> yeah. And uh, some great hearty vegetables and, and potato and all that good stuff. And, you know, the more important question I'd be asking myself is who would I be with? Right. And I, mm. I certainly would be with my wife and kids and family, um, when you have that final meal, but I'm also a big scotch drinker. So I'd make sure I have a great single malt scotch before, and then a great bottle of wine at dinner and, and just enjoy a wonderful meal. I like it. I like it. 
Do you have one particular routine that you incorporate in your daily life that you'd like to share? I mean, you've got probably many of them, but. Yeah, I, I guess the uh, I guess the two things I'd mentioned, uh, I mentioned a few of those earlier, but certainly that morning exercise has yeah. been really important for me. And then I always think about when my beginning when I begin each day is what is the most important thing I want to get accomplished today. Um, because there's so much that comes out at you and no matter what role you have with email and phone calls and, and just to do less, if we don't think about what are the most important things to move, um, our efforts around efforts ahead personally or professionally, um, we can tend to get mired in the muck. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have a book that you've read that's been sort of inspirational for your life? Um, well, uh, outside of my own, <laughs> yeah. um, but there's been so many great books and, uh, one of, one of my favorites, um, as it relates to self-development is a book called mindset called by Carol Dweck. And that's oh, a yeah. lot of win the battle in your head chapter that I talked about. Mm. Um, she was great and I really kind of understood what, how important mindset is. Uh, and, and, uh, as it relates to leadership, I think the best leadership book I've read was John Maxwell's The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, that's something I still recommend to young folks as well about, uh, you know, what it takes for great leaders and how they differentiate themselves from run-of-the-mill folks. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I've read that one, actually. Um, I'll stick the links in the show notes, guys, to so check it out. Uh, Pete, how can people best reach out to you? Uh, thanks Lee. Yeah. Probably the easiest way to reach me is on my website, which is www.peterupert, uh, P E T E and then R U P P E R T.com. And there you can find links to uh, buy my book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Uh, there's more information about the book and, and me there. They can email me or ask me questions. Um, and then there's also a bunch of resources they can in forms that, that they can print out because a lot of my book is a workbook like format who pe- for people who want to kind of use it as such. Yeah, I like it, mate. I'll stick the links in the show notes. So guys, check it out there. Thank you, Pete, for coming on. That's been awesome. My pleasure, Lee. Thanks for having me. Guys, check it out. TheHiddenLow.com. Pete Rupert, episode 975. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. 
You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Manutzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.